Iran's threat, deadly bushfires down under. I'm Evan Haining. The U.S.-led military coalition fighting ISIS says that early Sunday, local time, there were two attacks near Iraqi bases housing its troops, but that no troops were harmed. Well, Iraq says it will avenge the killing of General Qasem Soleimani. Correspondent Arwa Damon reports Soleimani was not the only casualty in that drone strike. Kata'ib Hezbollah, whose leader was also killed alongside Qasem Soleimani, announced on an Iraqi TV station something of a warning, telling the Iraqi security forces to maintain a distance of at least a thousand meters from the bases of the, quote, American enemy. And they are saying that the Iraqi security forces should not be human shields for invading crusaders. Well, correspondent Christina Aleshi reports the Homeland Security Department is warning that there is an increased risk of cyber threats from Iran. One security expert I spoke to said they're worried about Iran targeting airline reservation and traffic control systems as well as healthcare systems, which would effectively bring hospitals to a halt. Australia's catastrophic fires continue to burn, but correspondent Anna Corrin reports as bad as things are, and they're very bad. The situation where she is could have been worse. There are cooler conditions that have come in in the last few hours, and certainly uh, the firefighters we've spoken to say that they have been spared the absolute carnage that was predicted. At least 23 people have been killed in the fires. Landslides and floods triggered by torrential downpours have left at least 60 people dead in and around Jakarta, Indonesia's capital. Rescuers are struggling to search for people apparently buried under tons of mud. Over 90,000 evacuees are in emergency shelters and can't go home. I'm Evan Haining. Thinking about life insurance? What if you could make one free phone call and learn your best price from nearly a dozen highly rated price competitive companies? Well, that's exactly what happens when you call SelectQuote Life. For example, George is 40. He was getting sky-high quotes from other companies because he takes meds to control his blood pressure. But when I shopped around, I found him a 10-year, $500,000 policy for under $25 a month. I'm SelectQuote agent Dan Savino. And believe me, if SelectQuote isn't shopping for your life insurance, you're probably paying too much. For your free quote, call 800-619-0789. That's 800-619-0789. 800-619-0789. Or go to selectquote.com. Since 1985, we shop, you save. Get full details on the example policy at selectquote.com slash commercials. Your price could vary depending on your health issuing company and other factors. Not available in all states. The local advertisers you hear on AM 950 are the lifeblood of the station. If you find yourself regularly tuning in, or if you appreciate the diversity of content we deliver, please take the time to support our advertisers. Even if it's just to thank them for backing AM 950, your voice and support can go a long way. Help keep the station going strong while investing in our local community. Find the complete list of on-air supporters by visiting the advertisers page at am950radio.com. That's am950radio.com. Supporting the best local and independently owned restaurants in the Twin Cities has never been easier. You'll find an expansive list of local dining options at eatlocalminnesota.com. From classic American comfort food to authentic flavors from around the world. 
Experience cozy fireside dining at the Downtowner Woodfire Grill in St. Paul, specializing in fresh seafood, fire-roasted meats and pizzas, all cooked over an oak-burning fire, and salads and sandwiches, too. Join them for breakfast, lunch, and dinner seven days a week. Located at 253 West 7th Street with plenty of free parking or online at downtownerwoodfire.com. Burger Moe's is the perfect neighborhood gathering spot before and after Excel Center events or anytime. Offering 20 fresh, never frozen burger varieties, more than 60 beers on tap, and happy hours twice daily. Burger Moe's is located at 242 West 7th Street in St. Paul with plenty of free parking and online at burgermoes.com. Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chuske, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our sacred animals. And report national and native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Hi, this is Charlie. Dad, don't embarrass me by making me say this. What does a used iPhone go for today? Fine. My dad is the greatest fantasy football player of all time, Matt McNeil. I won our league this year! Ugh. When I'm getting together with my friends without my dad, we always go in my Sienna. Not only does it drive great in winter conditions, but it can easily fit all my friends with seating up to eight. My son's friend's parents request he drive because he has a Sienna. It tells you everything you need to know about their safety and reliability. See for yourself at Rudy Luther Toyota, 394 and 169 in Golden Valley. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight, there's a 50% chance of sleet, with temperatures around 34 degrees. Tomorrow, a chance of rain and snow, with a high of 37 and a low of 21. Monday, partly sunny, with a high of 33 and a low around 20, while Tuesday will be sunny, with a high of 16 and a low around 3. Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants. Make sure the money you spend stays local. Featuring great restaurants such as Burger Moe's, Cafe Latte, and more. Find a full list of restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. You're listening to audio from the Wall of Power TV show with Paul Metza that originally aired on Metro Cable Network Channel 6. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen, and welcome to the Wall of Power. I'm your host, Paul Metza. Tonight we have a very fascinating guest who's going to share stories of his over six decades in broadcasting and showbiz. Barry Zavan has been described by no less a figure than Vice President Walter Mondale as a television personality with personality. He has spent his life as a broadcaster, weatherman, writer, documentarian, ski instructor, and now with his autobiography, Barry Zavan, My Life, among giants and author. He has rubbed elbows with everyone from James Dean to John Ehrlichman and Woody Allen to Vern Gagne. I'm delighted he took time out of his busy schedule to join us on the show. And now with no further ado, Mr. Barry Zavan. Barry, so nice to meet you in person. Nice to meet you, Paul. I've seen you quite a bit over the years on the television and you look even better in person. Oh, you're very kind, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, I have a picture in my attic, me and Dorian Gray. <laughs> <laughs> well, you have a great book. I just uh, finished it a few days ago. Barry's a van, My Life Among Giants. Among the Giants. Yeah, yeah. Among the Giants. Yeah. And there's very few people in the entertainment biz in the last 
50, maybe 60 years that you haven't at some point rubbed elbows with. Yeah, and actually had real relationships with. It wasn't because of interviews or anything else. I was born into the business, and uh, my grandfather was one of Milton Burroughs and George Burns and Gracie Allen's agents, and uh, <laughs> he was first violinist for the Pittsburgh Symphony in 1938 under Fritz Reiner, and uh, uh, Oscar Levant, it was a huge friend of our family in Pittsburgh before he went to Hollywood. Same with Gene Kelly, who I got to know later on. And it just, uh, it never ends. It just never ends. And you started out as an actor. Yeah. Well, actually, I started out as a boy singer right, on right. KDK Radio in Pittsburgh, the world's first commercial radio station. And that was in 1943, February wow. 20th, 1943. And in the KDKA archives now on the internet, there's actually a picture of me with the other kids wow. while we were singing. And uh, it just, uh, Peter Marshall from Hollywood Squares started on that show just uh, several years before I did. Really? And, we're, and we're, we're, we're dear friends, too, thank God. Your mother was a big supporter of you early on. Yeah, but she wasn't a stage mother. Uh, she... She figured I had some sort of talent, <laughs> but she wasn't sure what. Right. And so she, uh, she actually, I did start. Uh, my, I say I started out as a singer, which is true, but acting was my passion, uh, but only by accident. She had heard the Pittsburgh Playhouse was uh, going to have auditions for kids to go to their drama school on Saturday mornings, so she got me into the drama school, and one of my fellow students was Shirley Jones hmm. from Smithton, Pennsylvania, and so Shirley and I took lessons from a guy named Bill Putch, and Bill later married a lady named Jean Stapleton, hmm. and my daughter Shonda dated Gene Stapleton and Bill Putch's son, John Putch, uh, one time, anyway, in Pennsylvania when we were living in Washington, D.C. And uh, so uh, it's it's been quite a life. And then surely I did her first play with her when she became Miss Pittsburgh in 1951. It was called Wonderful Good. It was about the Pennsylvania Dutch. So and Shirley and I still keep in touch uh, pretty frequently. Wow. Yeah. So... Radio was, was uh, you know, the popular medium when you were growing up, but, but television was just coming, kind of coming online as well. Yes, and I had, had a big break there, too. I had been a contestant. My mom had taken us to New York. This was before we moved there. Uh, this was in uh, 1948, no, 46. 46. I was on a show called Give and Take. It was a CBS national program with John Reed King and Bill Cullen was the announcer. Hmm. And so Bill was from Pittsburgh, by the way, right. my hometown, too. So, And Bill went on to do What's My Line? Oh, he went on to do everything. Uh, after the radio program, the producer said uh, to my mother, we would like to have your son be on television tonight uh, down at uh, near Grand Central Station. And we didn't know what television was because the nation didn't get television until 1948, two mm -hmm. years later. So this was an experimental program, but the first regularly scheduled program ever it was called King's Party Line. New York City had 600 television sets. <gasps> and so it was a test to see how many people were watching. So they put me on that night. 
if you recall, and you having lived in New York City, you know this building at the end of Park Avenue is called the New York General Building, mm -hmm. right, right behind Grand Central Station. Sure. So that's where the CBS, even the CBS soap operas were, were performed too in later years, that same studio. So uh, they had some guy guess my hat size. They, and I, I was coached to say, yes, Mr. King, that's correct. Or no, Mr. <laughs> King, that's not correct. And, that's fantastic. Yeah, and, and some guy from the Bronx guessed my half size. And they were so elated with, with my uh, personality, is what they said, uh, that uh, they asked my mom if we could stay, if CBS paid for the... Uh, us to stay for a couple more weeks, and that's what we did. So. Was that when you were at the Edison Hotel? Yes. Because I've stayed there. Yeah. I stayed there in the mid-'80s when I was out for a music conference. But there's a great story in your book <laughs> that, uh, that really struck me. Um, <clears throat> it's just kind of uh, it just shows you how interesting America is, and especially when you've lived a, a life as long as you have. But there was a saxophone player in the in the band at the hotel, <laughs> a young man by the name of Alan Greenspan. That's right. Who became the head of the uh, the Fed? Yeah, and he was with Henry Jerome's orchestra, right. which was the house orchestra at the Edison Hotel. There, right. I stayed at the Edison again two years ago uh, for Ann Mira's uh, memorial service at the Eugene O'Neill's Theater, and. Uh, where I also had a good breakfast with Tony Randall's widow, who I still keep in touch with. But anyway, there's no place in the Edison now for any kind of a house band or anything else. Yeah. It's a miracle they have a restaurant. Nothing nothing against, I don't want to get sued by the Edison Hotel, but right. it's a lot different than it used to be. Right. Now let's move ahead a few years to the, the show Mr. Peepers, because yes. this is some really interesting uh, actors that, you rubbed elbows with well, you were just grown up. Maybe you not well, out, you couldn't reach their elbow, but uh, <clears throat> but tell us about Mr. Peepers. Well, I, I actually developed thanks to Tony uh, a lifelong friendship with Tony Randall because Tony played a teacher called Harvey Westcott in the in the show, and so Wally Cox, of course, was Peepers, and Wally was a and delight. What was, what was the show exactly? What was it? Well, it was about uh, Jefferson Junior High. It was a fictitious high junior high school, and there's quite a story about it, really, on how Tony almost didn't take the part. The producer named Fred Coe was one of the geniuses of early television, a guy from the South, a real Southern gentleman, and... Uh, uh, he called Tony and said, I've just written uh, the beginning of a sitcom. We're going to call it Mr. Peepers, and I've written a part just for you. And Tony said, I'm not interested. He said, I'm directing plays down at the circle in the square right. <laughs> in the village. And he was an artist. Yeah, yeah, artiste, yes. Tony was so non-uppity. Uh, uh, he was wonderful. Mm -hmm. Just he was well. He's like a father to me, a mentor. And so anyway, uh, Tony kept refusing Fred Cohen. Fred finally said, "Tony, you have got to do this because the show is going to be dependent on your personality interacting with Wally's." And Tony finally said yes. He said it was the biggest decision he ever made in his life huh. because he didn't realize the power of television. Now, this is in 1952, and so he said after the first show, and of course we're all live, no right. tape, 
Uh, and after the first show, it was, it was a riot. I can watch myself now on some of the episodes <laughs> on the Internet. But anyway, uh, he said he had to go to Philadelphia for something, and we were live on Sunday nights, and he had to be in Philly maybe in Monday and Tuesday. And he's walking down the street. <clears throat> Pardon me. And uh, I get all choked up. <laughs> but uh, anyway, he's walking down the street, and people started pointing their fingers at him. And then and some lady, I mean, said, oh, my God, you're, you're what's-his-name on you know, that show. <laughs> and so, yeah, he said, I, then I realized the power of television, mm -hmm. as you said. Well, so, there's a, if you fast forward to 1964, when the Beatles were on Ed Sullivan, those two weeks in a row, uh -huh. they said both those nights, the crime rate in New York City dropped to almost zero. Yeah, well, two dear friends of mine were on that episode of The Sullivan Show. Really? Charlie Brill and Mitzi McCall. Okay. Mitzi was the first young actress I ever worked with at Pittsburgh Playhouse who uh, walked around the dressing rooms uh, scantily clad. God bless you. <laughs> and then uh, Charlie Brill and I went to high school in New York together mm. at, at uh, the Lodge Professional Children's School. And Charlie and Mitzi are still married. Wow. But they were the comedy act that night on the Sullivan show really? when the Beatles were on. Yeah. Tell us a little, now we'll go back 10 years to the, the Mr. Peepers thing. Wally Cox, and we were talking right before the show started tonight about uh, one of America's greatest actors, Marlon Brando. Uh huh. Tell us about Well, Wally and, Wally, and Wally. Wally and Tony were, I mean, Wally and uh, Marlon were roommates. Yeah, and actually, Marlon discovered uh, Wally in Michigan. Oh. Uh, Wally's from Lapeer, Michigan. And I got to know his family in many later years after Wally even died. But um, so Marlon just recognized that Wally had a special specialness about him. It's definitely a character because he spoke like this. <laughs> now, you children, you better be nice or I'll kick you off the show. I've got Barry Zafan on. He's got a great book called My Life Among the Giants. We're going to be talking about uh, his 60-year history, his personal life, his artistic projects, and whatever else Barry wants to chat about on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities gay scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. Crooner's Lounge and Supper Club is delighted to offer its spacious facilities for your private function. From weddings, retirement parties, business dinners, or any special occasion, Crooner's combines a dedicated, full-service special events team, an award-winning chef, and a beautiful lakeside ambiance to make your event a resounding success. Visit croonersloungemn.com to learn more about their private dining options, or call 763-571-9020 to get a quote for your next event today. Being in the Army National Guard is about more than just serving your country. It's about being there for your community when your neighbors need you most. 
The Army National Guard makes college affordable. Serving part-time lets you attend school full-time while you take advantage of education benefits that can help you graduate debt-free. If a civilian career is your goal, serving part-time allows you to work at a full-time job. The skills, qualities, and contacts you'll develop in the Guard can open doors to a great civilian career. Want to serve but worried about being away from friends and family? Part-time service in the Army National Guard allows you to serve close to home. Serving in the Army National Guard lets you have the life you want while you enjoy the many benefits of serving your community and nation. You owe it to yourself to learn more about how the Army National Guard can fit into your life. Visit NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Minnesota Army National Guard. Aired by the Minnesota Broadcasters Association and this station. Hi, I'm Peter Solak. And I'm Adam Ostrowski. We are here at Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces to talk about the joy of live fire cooking. Cooking over a live fire is the oldest and most basic form of cooking. What's new is in the way a fire is handled and its heat is managed. It's easier to experience and enjoy the smell and taste of food cooked over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces sells and installs live fire grills, fire pits, and ovens. Let us help you experience the smell, the taste, the fun of cooking with fire. Pizza was first made and is still best made in an open fire oven. The radiant and conductive heat of a live fire is unmatched for wood roasting and baking artisan breads too. Come see the many ways you can cook over a live fire. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces has over 35 working wood and gas units on display at the corner of East Franklin and Riverside Avenue in Minneapolis. More information at woodlandstoves.com. Find the fire that works for you. Woodland Stoves and Fireplaces, out of the ordinary products and services since 1977. You're listening to audio from the Wall of Power TV show with Paul Metza that originally aired on Metro Cable Network Channel 6. To uh, feed the two systems which exist right now, one centered over Colorado and the other one I can't find. <laughs> no, the other, one, the other one is beginning to develop uh, along the uh, Montana-Idaho border. 17 degrees in Butte, Montana this morning. The nation's official low, which is officially low enough. Today, 74 at both New York and Washington, 67 at Winnipeg with 100s of an inch of moisture the past 24 hours, and Calgary today had a low of 19 degrees this morning. Uh, 73 was our high in the uh, Twin Cities today, 62 the low this morning with a trace of precipitation, broken clouds 60 degrees. The forecast extended Thursday through Saturday is mostly cloudy with showers or occasional rain Thursday, clearing Friday and uh, clear on Saturday, they say. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest in the studio for the whole show tonight, a man about town, a broadcaster, a writer, a documentarian, and an amazing storyteller, Mr. Barry Zavan. Thank you, sir. Barry, we ended the last set. You were talking about uh, Wally Cox and Marlon Brando in New York City. Tell us a little bit more about what Marlon Brando was like. Well, Marlon was very quiet. Um, he, he really didn't talk that much. And uh, there was one night when we were in Wally's apartment, his and Wally's apartment, because the accountant for Wally was a guy named Mr. Tobias. Well, Alan Tobias, because of his father's connection with Wally, was one of our students on Mr. Peepers. <laughs> and so, Funny how that works. Yeah, so we were, we were actually, Alan had a key to, to Wally's and Marlon's apartment. Hmm. So we would just go up there and hang out. 
They didn't even have a television set. Really? They had hardly anything in that apartment. All we would do is hang out there and talk. One night it was pouring rain. And I think the story's in the book, but anyway, Wally came home first. He said, are you children still here? You should please go now. Go now. <laughs> yes, sir. Yes, sir. Right. Yes, Wally. So we start to go, and here comes Marlon with a bicycle on his shoulder. Huh having ridden in the pouring rain right. and his hair was all done. Hey, kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> it was kind of like that. Right. I don't know. <laughs> but anyway, then I was with Marlon a couple of other times when he was doing the things for the American Indian Movement. Mm -hmm. and uh, you know, But still very, you know, uh, he didn't talk much. He didn't talk much. So tell us about... New York City in the 50s. Well, it was like uh, that film, My Favorite Year, with Peter O'Toole. One of my favorite films. Yeah. Uh, it, was, it was like that. Mm -hmm. Thing, people were happy. People were upbeat. Truman and Eisenhower were president, overlapping in the right. early 50s. And I got to know Mr. Truman, too. That's also in the book. But uh, anyway, uh, it, was, it was magic time. It was the New York City of on the town mm -hmm. with Gene Kelly and Frank Sinatra and, and so forth uh, and Jules Munchen. And, and I just, um, it's, it's very, it's hard to remember that. It's hard, not hard, hard to remember, but it's difficult to know that it's not like that anymore. Right. I mean, New York's very exciting. It, it'll never be less than exciting. Times Square in those days, though, was, was Times Square. Oh, I'm getting goosebumps, really, talking mm -hmm. about it now, and almost want to cry because it was, it was that. I, right. th no words. I'm, I'm sorry, words are kind of my business, but not in this respect. But it was really, that's where, that's where all the big dreams came true, right? Yeah. And I, I was so lucky. Um, it was really thanks to a kid with whom I went to school. I went to a school called, well, first Forest Hills High School. <laughs> I lived in Rego Park. So did we. Yeah. 8830 really? 62nd Drive, right, 60, off Woodha right off Woodhaven Boulevard. Six, uh, 63rd and Queens Boulevard. Well, you weren't far away. And I used to, actually, when I used to, uh, <laughs> I used to go jogging at Forest Hills High School. Yeah. Well, I used to ride my bike around Flushing Meadow Park. Oh, sure. Well, you know, the, uh, we could talk about Forest Hills <laughs> for a little bit because there is, there is, uh, uh, that's got quite a bit of showbiz history. Michael Landon. Uh, Captain Kangaroo. Peter Parker from Spider-Man went to Forest Hills High School. Yeah, and the people with whom I went to Forest Hills High before I went to professional, large professional children's school were Ina Ballin, who I convinced to stay in the business uh, through an agent friend of mine, and there's a story about that in the, in the book, too. Uh, and uh, uh, Art Garfunkel. Yeah. Simon and Marty Ingalls. And Marty Ingalls, Marty Ingalls? Who, be who became Shirley Jones' husband, but he used to protect me in lunch line. Oh. We, were, we were one year apart, and Marty had this flaming red hair, big tall guy, and here I am, this little fella, and he said, let him in. Let him in lunch. You know, all, every, every lunch line. And of so, course, the, the, you know, one of the Americans, uh, America's greatest punk bands, the Ramones. Mm-hmm. Came from Forest Hills. Oh, well, that's wild. We'll have, we got to go out and have uh, uh, lunch and talk about uh, <laughs> Forest Hills and, and Rigo Park and Kew Gardens and the rest. More with Barry and your host Paul Metza after these messages. 
Auto Technical needs your help to keep our transportation program going. Social agencies like Workforce Training Center, Tubman Shelter, they rely on our mission of providing transportation to families in need. Donations of vehicles are down 80% because of the new tax laws. We really need vehicle donations to continue our mission. Help us, please. Give a call to Richard at 612-919-5526, autotechnical.org. I'm attorney Rachel Schroman of Schroman Law in St. Paul, and I am passionate about providing legal services in the areas of estate planning, probate, and elder law. My clients receive the attention and compassion they deserve with their peace of mind being my top priority. Enjoy the comfort of knowing that you have planned for the worst so you can confidently continue living at your best. Visit ShromanLaw.com. That's S-C-H-R-O-M-E-N-L-A-W.com. I'm Candy Braffel, publisher of the Twin Cities edition of Natural Awakenings Magazine and host of Green Tea Conversations, a new show for people who are on a journey to take responsibility for their health and play a more active role in their family's well-being. Join me every Sunday at 10 a.m. as I interview local experts who share the latest in natural holistic approaches in a fun and informative way. So grab a cup of tea and join the conversation as we awaken to natural health. Visit us at naturaltwincities.com. Hello, fellow AM950 listeners. This is Jaja from Nightingale at 26 in Lindale. Come experience our delicious signature dishes and exciting rotation of inventive seasonal fare for my wife and chef, Carrie, and her team. Nightingale is the perfect place to gather for any occasion with our extensive wine, beer, and cocktail selection, along with our dedication to great service. We offer a full menu every day from 4 to 1 a.m., two award-winning daily happy hours, and weekend brunch at 10. More at nightingalempls.com. Dad, this is fun. I didn't think I liked kayaking. Well, I'm glad you enjoyed it, but I think it's time to head back in. Okay. Can we come back? Sure. Hey, be careful getting out of the boat. It's the kayak, Dad. <laughs> I'm going to return the kayak. Can we walk home? How about a taxi? It's a short fare from your neighborhood to your naturehood. Visit discovertheforest.org to find a neighborhood park or green space near you. Brought to you by the Ad Council and the U.S. Forest Service. At Better Futures Minnesota, we transform the lives of men and support Minnesota's environment by working towards zero waste. Our approach reaffirms each man's dignity and supports self-sufficiency. Better Futures Minnesota is a work training model. Through our reuse, retail warehouse, and supervised work crews with specialized in residential and commercial building deconstruction, property maintenance, appliance recycling, and janitorial services, we demonstrate ways to employ hire-to-employ men on a pathway to independence. Hire our work crews at BetterFuturesMinnesota.com. With your AM950 weather, this is Eric Nelson. Tonight, there's a 50% chance of sleet, with temperatures around 34 degrees. Tomorrow, a chance of rain and snow, with a high of 37 and a low of 21. Monday, partly sunny, with a high of 33 and a low around 20, while Tuesday will be sunny, with a high of 16 and a low around 3. Eat Local Minnesota is a great way to find locally owned Minnesota restaurants. Make sure the money you spend stays local. Featuring great restaurants such as Burger Moe's, Cafe Latte, and more. Find a full list of restaurants at eatlocalminnesota.com. You're listening to audio from the Wall of Power TV show with Paul Metza that originally aired on Metro Cable Network Channel 6. You're back with the Wall of Power. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest in the studio for the whole show tonight, my new friend, Mr. Barry Zavan. There's 
dozens of fascinating stories in your book, but the one that, uh, maybe it's because I was just paging through when I had time, but one of the first stories I read was Bob Newhart yep. was a huge supporter of yours. Okay, I had a uh, talk show in Las Vegas on television. And what uh, year this, was this? This is 19, I mean, I think 60, well, from 68 to 70. And in 70, Bob was on my show frequently. Uh, he was at the Desert Inn, and it was a TV talk show mm -hmm. in the mornings, in addition to doing the weather. And so one day, I was driving him back to the Desert Inn. He used to refer to my weather shows in his comedy act, the Desert mm. Inn. He said, watch Barry's event. He said, this guy's fantastic, blah, blah, blah. And what an honor that was. Uh, so anyway, driving him back one morning, he said, you know, you belong in a much bigger market. He said, why don't you get Broadcasting Magazine and see if there are some ads for Weather Guy out there in a bigger city. And uh, I said, okay. Well, ironically, the next week in broadcasting, there was an ad. It said, Upper Midwest Television Station wants personality weatherman. Hmm. Apply to box such and such. As you know, they don't list the city. Right. And so I thought... But what was what, your shtick as the weatherman? Well, it was the, same, it was the same thing. Right. I mean, I, I had star, every star on the strip was on my show, on right. my weather show every night. Robert Goulet started that parade. Oh. And Juliet Prowse and Red Fox and just a whole and bunch Woody of Woody Allen. Well, no, Woody was never on my show. Okay. No, I directed But he did a promo for you one Oh, time. he did a promo yeah. for me. I directed him in three local television shows there, though, right. before I went to Channel 13. This was at Channel 8 when I worked for Howard Hughes. And that's another story in the book, too. <laughs> several stories about Hughes. But anyhow, uh, so... Ironically, there was a broadcasting magazine in the studio uh, laying around, and, it's, and it said that ad, Upper Midwest TV Station wants personality weatherman. So I decided to send the wackiest tape that I could find. And I, my logic was that if they want me and see this, and if they see this tape and they still want me, then that means they really want me. Right. And I was scared to death, too. I've always really kind of lived on the edge uh, very insecure in many, many uh, times of my life. As are a so, lot of entertainers. Yeah, that's what I... Well, Red Skelton was notorious for it. He thought he was going to lose everything every time he went on stage. Hmm. So anyhow, I got a call from KSTP uh, a week later and said, we want to talk to you. You have blown away everybody in a focus group. It was Frank Magan, Magan Associates. Okay, and what year was that? Uh, 1970. Okay. Yeah. So they flew me back here to the Twin Cities, and um, I'll try to make this as succinct as I can. Um, they said, we'll start you out at $17,000 a year. And I'm looking at KSCP and thinking this magnificent station, I'm making 12000 in Las Vegas and still surviving on it pretty well. And they said, but don't worry about that because we want you here for a long time. Right. And we will make sure your pay right. is su sufficiently increased. And good exposure. As they yeah, say. Well, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even think about that. Right. So anyway, I looked at the station and it was so magnificent. I later found out that NBC used to use it for their executives to come out from New York to watch how a real television station hmm. was. And Mr. Hubbard, of course, was phenomenal. Mr. Hubbard Sr., uh, he and all the stars were friends. Uh, some stories about him in there, too. 
And uh, God they bless. Were, they were on, still on University Avenue? Oh, yeah. Okay. They've been on University Avenue from the very beginning. Wow. So, and, and he got the money to start KSDP-TV from my hometown bank, the Mellon National Bank in Pittsburgh. Really? Yeah. He borrowed the money in 1947 to get on the air in 48. So anyway, um, I, I, they said, we don't sign contracts, but we want you, blah, blah. So when can you start? And I said, well, I have to give proper notice and so forth. So they said, well, why don't we start you out in November? This was in August. Well, I got back, and I got a call from an agent in Beverly Hills. His name was Steve Silverberg. And he said, Nancy Sinatra and Dionne Warwick's husband said, you belong in the L.A. market wow. to do the weather. And I said, well, I've just come back from the Twin Cities, and I told him a story. He said, well, they don't sign contracts there. And I said, you're right. He said, why don't you give me some tapes anyway and see what can work out. And I thought, oh, what the heck. So I met, he drove up from L.A. I met him at Caesar's Palace with a shopping bag full of these great big tapes that we had in those days. Right. That was the last I heard from him until the moving van was in our driveway in November this one morning. I also did the morning news in addition to the weather at night. So they had, they were, Long day. They were using me. I get this call in the control room. I mean, in the newsroom, not the control room. The exact words. You're hired. Just like that. The voice was, you're very affected. Right. And I said, who are you and what am I hired for? He said, my name is Bill Fife, and I'm news director at KTLA Channel 5 <laughs> in Los Angeles. And we want you to be our weatherman and to be working with a brand new up-and-coming newsman named Tom Snyder. Wow. I would have been Tom Snyder's weather guy. Hmm. So anyway, I said, Mr. Fife, I said, oh, and we'll start you out at $40,000 a year. KS was going to give me seventeen. <laughs> so I said, Mr. Fife, and I told him the story, and he said, well, if you feel you have a moral obligation. I said, I couldn't look at myself in the mirror and tell them I'm not coming back because they believe in me. He said, well, we believe in you, too. He said, but... If you feel you have a moral obligation, we'll catch up sometime. So I turned down Los Angeles to come here. But by the same token, I'm happy I did. The Hubbards were wonderful to me. Uh, I stupidly quit that station for more money in Washington, D.C. after Mr. Hubbard offered me a lifetime job. Hmm. And uh, how stupid can you be? But anyway, with Bill Fife, in February, they, oh, KSDP had me booth announcing from November and we still hadn't found the rest of the team. So they had me in booth announcing till the team was found. Well, in February that year, I got very discouraged, and I thought, I'm gonna call Bill Fife. We don't have a contract. Maybe I can still go to LA. So you I, what? Let's hold on that story right there, because we're, we're hanging on a cliff now. We're with Barry Zavan on the Wall of Power Radio Hour. More with Barry and your host, Paul Metza, after these messages. The number one source of the Twin Cities gay scene is all digital. Follow Twin Cities Gay Scene on Facebook and Twitter. Sign up for the Scene Shot email blast for weekly updates and chances to win great prizes. No app is needed to view the bi-weekly web editions of Scene. It's GLBTQ Media for the mobile generation. Find it all at TwinCitiesGayScene.com. That's TwinCitiesGayScene.com. 
Native Ritz Radio is proud to announce we've added an extra hour. Yeah, Chushke, one hour goes by too fast. That's right, Uncle Curtis. I'll have extra time to share important information about our secret animals. And report national and Native news from all over the country and Canada. This new hour is sponsored by Robbins Kaplan LLP, dedicated to redefining excellence for high-stakes litigation representation in Indian country. Saturdays from 1 to 3 p.m. We are awake. Located just north of 50th in France, the Great Wall Restaurant has provided a delicious taste of authentic Chinese cuisine since 1981. Specializing in Sichuan and Peking dishes, they offer one of the most extensive menus in the Twin Cities. Favorites include hot and sour soup, pan-fried dumplings, and mushu pork with homemade Chinese pancakes. Stop by their Edina location or call for takeout at 952-927-4439. See the full menu at greatwallrestaurant.us. Did you realize that Drink in the Style is available on iTunes, Google Play, and pretty much every other podcast platform out there? You can listen to past episodes of Drink in the Style, or maybe download our really cool martini glass graphic, or just listen to your favorite episode again and again. But if you do, I need to ask you for a quick favor. Hop online and give us a five-star rating. It helps others find the show and also boosts my fragile ego. Drink in the Style. It's a great way to kill Sundays or really anytime at all. This President's Day weekend, bring your family to the Osprey Wilds Environmental Learning Centre, formerly known as the Audubon Centre of the Northwoods, on Grindstone Lake in Sandstone. The all-inclusive family weekend has locally sourced meals and winter activities like ice climbing, wildlife programming, skiing and much more. Reserve your spot at ospreywilds.org or call 320-245-2648. Osprey Wilds, experience your environment. Hi, I'm Frank Brown, owner of the only minority-owned union print shop in Minnesota. Do you work with political campaigns? Yes, we have years of experience helping campaigns. Do you help with design? Yes, our employees have over 100 years of industry experience and are the best at what they do. So you print anything a political campaign might need? Yes, we print everything. Work with a printer for your political campaign that shares your values. Miniman Press Uptown. Learn more at mpuptown.com. Miniman Press Uptown. We print everything. You're listening to audio from the Wall of Power TV show with Paul Metza that originally aired on Metro Cable Network Channel 6. Welcome back to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. This is your host, Paul Metza. My guest in the studio for the whole show tonight, Mr. Barry Zavan. We're talking about his life, which he has chronicled in this great autobiography, My Life Among the Giants. Barry, so at the end of the last segment, you were telling us about Mr. Fife from L.A., and you were packed on your way to the Twin Cities to work at KSTP. Mm -hmm. So how did that all work out with Mr. Fife? Did that resolve itself? Well, no. Uh, Mr. Fife, uh, when we left off, uh, I had decided to call him and see if I could get the L.A. job still. And he, he said, well, Barry, he said, it's interesting you would call. He said, because today is my last day at KTLA because I've been hired to be news director at WAB, or KABC Channel 7 in Los Angeles, the ABC flagship station. And we're already set with a weather guy, but keep in touch with me throughout the next couple of years or whatever. Well, my heart sank. Except I was happy eventually, of course, that I 
finally got on the air in July, July 19th, 1971. Okay. It's, well, it's the debut of our newscast with, with me doing the weather. And so, anyway, then Mr. Hubbard, uh, as I say, offered me a lifetime job uh, five years later, four years later, and uh, I didn't take it. I took, I bid for the money in Washington, D.C., but uh, they didn't want me to do what I did in the Twin Cities, and I said, why not? And they said, well, this is six days after I got there. They said, we're consulted by the same consultants who consult WCCO-TV. They just wanted you out of town because hmm. you were killing us in the ratings. Interesting. Yeah, well, Competition. it was like a knife in my heart. Willard Scott and I became really close friends. We still exchange Christmas cards. Well, there's a great picture in your book, which is full of great pictures, Barry's a van, my life among the giants, of you and Willard in a swimming pool. It looks like Willard's pulling on a bud can of Budweiser. Yeah, it was in his <laughs> swimming pool at his farm in Upperville, Virginia. Yeah, and uh, yeah, and it, it actually is labeled, here's to good weather, you know. <laughs> and our two bald heads together uh, would make a great nightlight, you know. <laughs> but uh, anyway, uh, so I'll finish the Fife story. Yeah. Um, when I was on, on the air in D.C., I used to go up to New York frequently, and so Bill said, come on and see me at ABC. He became vice president of news mm. for ABC, and he told me, he said, if you had gone with me at KTLA, you would have been Good Morning America's first weatherman. Wow. So. It's not uh, an easy life. No. Uh, and, it's, and part of it's of my own choosing. Uh, you know, wanting to see what's what was next, except for the Hubbard situation where they offered me lifetime job. And when you're in your 30s, you don't realize the security factor for that. Right. To know that there's going to be a paycheck forever. Right. And uh, and so forth. My God, how stupid! And you kick yourself forever. And everybody said, "Well, you know, you've got to go on." And there are, there are times. I mean, the move to Washington, D.C. was in many ways a really great one. It, it enabled me to uh, develop friendships with some of the rest of the giants in this world, a lot of them in the political arena. Uh, I worked for the Shah of Iran twice <laughs> for two years, uh, producing uh, films uh, for them to get tourists over there to Iran and skiing. Uh, there were... The, to know that all these world leaders were your fans. I was walking down the halls of the Senate office building one day, and I had to, I had to go to the bathroom, and I, the nearest office there was Senator Edmund Muskie. Mm -hmm. And so I go in, and I, and I come back out, and Senator Muskie came out the door, and he just nodded, but then he yelled at me down the hall, I enjoy you, you know. <laughs> and I said, oh, well, thank you, sir. I enjoy you, too. Nice. <laughs> I didn't know what to say. You had a relationship with John Ehrlichman, one of the oh, yes. White House plumbers. Tell yes. us real quickly. Well, I'll try to make it quick. Uh, John, uh, before he went to prison, uh, he was in our studio, and he said, uh, Barry, he said, I'd like to keep in touch with you. Uh, while I'm in prison, and then afterward, let's see, he said, I really like you, he said, I enjoy you. He was only in for 18 months. And so he moved to Santa Fe, New Mexico, and uh, then <laughs> he said, if you're ever out here, why, whatever, we'll get together. Well, I happened to need to be in Albuquerque for something uh, about a month later. 
I said, John, I'm going to be in, you know, Albuquerque. He said, well, I'll drive on to Santa Fe and we'll have breakfast. So we, he took me to a restaurant called the Pink Adobe, and he had a book with him, which he didn't show me. He showed me the back of the book, but not the front. And then after breakfast, he said, I said, what's that book? He flipped it over. It was Richard Nixon's memoirs. <laughs> and he said, Nixon sent this to me while I was in prison, but I want you to see how he signed it. He opens the frontispiece, and it's stamped. Richard M. Nixon. Yeah. No, thank you, John. Thanks for the help. Yeah. He said, that's what I went to prison for. He said, nobody should ever get Potomac fever. Wow. Stamped Richard M. Nixon. Barry's a van. We could do uh, several part miniseries on your life. I so appreciate you sharing these stories thank you. Uh, uh, with me. I want to encourage anybody out there to get Barry Zavan, My Life Among the Giants. Can they order? Do you have a website we can order from? Yeah, website or, or Amazon, just Amazon.com. Okay. Yeah, type in my name. Barry Zavan, Z-E-V-A-N. Capital V-A-N. Yeah. Capital V-A-N. My guest, Barry Zavan, his book that just came out February 2016 called My Life Among the Giants is a fascinating read. Thank you. Of Barry's six, seven, how many decades you've been on Seven in decades. Showbiz? Seven decades. Yeah. And you're coming on your 80th birthday? 80th birthday will be August 5th. Well, yeah. what keeps you going? The need to work. Okay. <laughs> Economics. Right. Economics, yeah. I think somebody asked um, a writer like Kurt Vonnegut or something. What? No, it was uh, Norman Mailer. They asked Norman Mailer, what keeps you writing? And he goes, the mortgage. Yeah, well, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> Mr. Mailer, I echo your uh, your your great thought. On a sidebar of that, <laughs> regarding questions of famous people, um, uh, <laughs> one one person once asked Mel Brooks, "What's the hardest thing about making film?" And he said, "Putting in the little holes." <laughs> <laughs> now, there's a great in the beginning of your book, Barry. You have a lot of your uh, favorite experiences that people will read about in your music, but also some of the great platitudes that you've held dear over your life. The golden rule oh, taught yes. to you by your mother? Absolutely. I mean, to me, that's, that says it all, the golden rule. Treat people the way you want to be treated. And uh, I, <laughs> I think it would solve wars. <laughs> I think it would solve everything. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously naive. Uh, but we're capable of it, in my opinion. Uh, and uh, you know, today, uh, except for my own children, grandchildren, and eight great-grandchildren, uh, they have been taught very, very well by my daughters. Um, you know, the, that sort of behavior. And I'm very proud of them uh, because they do have some values. And and. By the same token, uh, you drive down the street these days, it's like the Indy 500. Mm -hmm. Everybody's going to push you out of the way, and they're, they're not doing a very nice thing with their fingers. <laughs> and it's, right. it's, it's, it's a shame. Uh, and I don't think the world has to be that way. And it's pretty naive, too, probably. But even, even with the recent elections um, here, I have friends in Europe who are absolutely terrified. Uh, what have you become? What has the world become? Et cetera, et cetera. I'm thrilled with the recent French election. Uh, there's, uh, 
there are more people who want sanity who, than who don't want sanity. Right. And Lord willing, we'll, uh, we'll get back to that. Well, you've also survived seven decades in a pretty cutthroat business. Mm -hmm. Tell us about some of your lowest times. Well, uh, one low time, I think it's in the book, um, um, I was working as a disc jockey in Wenatchee, Washington, and I went for six weeks once just eating a hamburger every other day hmm. and water. And that was it because I wanted to, I got divorced and I wanted to keep my child support payments up. So to make the child support payments, there's no wing or halo here, but it's true. Uh, I, I, that's all I could afford. Hmm. And uh, that was for six weeks. And finally I got a little break with income and could go back to eating three squares a day. <laughs> well, now you did in the early 70s, how long were you on uh, KSTP when your first time in the Twin Cities. Okay, uh, I started there, I actually started there before we went on the air, so as, uh, as far as doing the weather. Started in November of 70, and I left in November of 74. Hmm. So. What, and you came back then in the 80s? Yeah, I, uh, I worked in Detroit, and on weekends, the satellite news channels flew me back to Stamford, Connecticut, to work on weekends it was a it was ABC's answer to CNN, so I did the weather every 20 minutes, and some weather guy who was there was named Paul Douglas, hmm. and so uh, Paul said he had gotten a call from Channel 11 here. He said, "Should I go back to the Twin Cities?" And I said, "Oh, I said you'll be number one," and of course Paul did become number one. So anyway, he and Tom Ryder, my former wonderful sportscaster friend uh, who I worked with at KSTP uh, recommended, in fact, rather did, then Douglas uh, echoed his thoughts. He said, Barry should be brought back to the Twin Cities. And that's how I got back to Channel 11. Hmm. Uh, and that was in 83, I think. Well, tell us a little bit about, you have two or three projects, documentaries you've written. Well, written, produced, directed, and... Uh, and uh, have production designed and this particular one uh, that you're holding up is called American Indian Homelands um, Matters of Truth, Honor and Dignity Immemorial and it got a Telly Award as Best Documentary of 2006 and then three Emmy nominations for it. My dear friend from DC days Sam Donaldson was my host for that huh. and Sam has actually hosted three additional documentaries for me since then and uh, um, but that was the most powerful. And uh, I, among my checkered career, I got to be the head of public relations for Grand Casinos hmm. for the Malak Band of Ojibwe. Uh, and that was uh, from 1991 till 1999. Wow. Yeah. And in, when they were just getting off the ground. Well, in 91, I was there from the very beginning. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And uh, yeah, it was. I've always had a huge affinity for the Indians, and by the way, they don't mind being called American Indians. Mm -hmm. uh, people say Native Americans, and Russell Means told me once, he said, don't you ever call me a Native American. He said, that's a U.S. government appellation to be politically correct. Hmm. He said, when Columbus landed, he kept a journal and said he was greeted by Los Indios, those of God. 
And he said, if we're of God, that's good enough for us. Hmm. So um, here in this country, American Indians, and the biggest proof that American Indian is the way they want to be known is the great museum which opened actually the year we filmed this in 2006, uh, the Smithsonian's National Museum of the American Indian, hmm. not the Native American. So that's in D.C., and that museum is one of the greatest in this world. I would love to go see it. We just had Winona LaDuke on yeah, you last it. week yeah. uh, with a great documentary that Carrie Pickett, a, a Northeast Minneapolis native, produced, mm. <clears throat> directed called First Daughter um, and, the Black, and the Black Snake. You also are a cancer survivor. Yeah. I got, I got lucky uh, thanks to a wonderful... Uh, oncologist who now is head of oncology out in uh, Shakopee at the uh, St. Francis Regional Medical Center. Uh, I get my, all my meds and all my operations and stuff at the VA thanks mm -hmm. to the Korean War. But anyway, uh, she, her name was uh, Dr. Asa Dinser Malcolm. Uh, she kept badgering me for two years. My white count kept going up and up and up and up. And she said, guess what? In essence, I'm paraphrasing here, um, if you don't have chemo and get rid of this, uh, you're not going to be around. And I, she didn't threaten, and that's uh, certainly not lawsuit material here. But, <laughs> but anyway, uh, she said, you've got to do this. My white count was way, way up. The normal what white year was that, Barry? This is uh, last year. Wow. Yeah. Congratulations. 2016, thank you. So anyway, actually part of 2015, part of 2016. But anyway, uh, I'm in remission now, thanks to her. But my white count, when we had started the chemo, was 264. Mm -hmm. Normal is six. Wow. So after the first treatment, it was down to 120. Wow. And she said it's working, but it's working because she knew what she was doing. Mm -hmm. So you're still out there on the street. Tell us about... Writing the book, what did that bring? I mean, it's so well-crafted, and there's so many memories there. How did you remember it all? Thank you. I just do have, I have what they call an eidetic memory. Hmm. I can almost remember what I had for lunch on February something, 1953. Right. And I don't know why. But these flashes, it's, it's almost, I guess, some psychiatrist or psychologist or whatever could delve into how the mind works. But... You can actually say a word or a, a name a song or something. It immediately brings me back to a particular time, and I remember everything from that time. And this is a great way to end this wonderful conversation with my new friend, Barry Zavan. Barry, you've lived an, an amazing life. Best of luck with the book and any of your other projects. It's really a pleasure to know you. Well, the same to you, sir. Thanks, Barry. Have a good day. Thanks for listening to the Wall of Power Radio Hour. The show is produced by Paul Metza, engineered by Brett Johnson in the basement of AM 950 Studio in Eden Prairie, which is neither Eden nor Prairie. Stay tuned to paulmetza.com to follow it all go down. And remember, like my dad used to tell me, remember to be kind and make someone happy.
I'm Richard R.J. Eskow, and this week on The Zero Hour, we'll be discussing political corruption, Wall Street shenanigans, our corporate overlords, digital dystopia, and maybe throw in a surprise or two as well. All this and more on The Zero Hour every Sunday night from 9 until midnight on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. This is New Beginnings, hosted by award-winning broadcaster and speaker, Freddie Bell. Freddie, this generation of the baby boomers, people are living longer, so the baby boomers are taking care of elderly parents. Let's talk about your health, and specifically, let's talk about Medicare. Our show features the concerns of America's 78 million baby boomers in employment, finance, health and nutrition, and even entertainment. Join us for New Beginnings, Saturday mornings at 11, brought to you in part by Vision Loss Resources. Hi, it's Randy Rhodes. You can listen to The Randy Rhodes Show every weeknight, 8 to 10 p.m. on AM 950, KTNF, St. Louis Park, Minneapolis, St. Paul, The Progressive.